unpardonable sin. What is it? And have you committed it? You know, most people do believe that there's at least one sin that is so bad that it cannot be forgiven. And sad to say, many believe it's the sin that haunts them. They simply can't believe that God will ever forgive them for something that they've done. Well, if that's true of you, I've got some really good news this morning. Any sin that might be haunting you can be forgiven by the blood of Christ. And of that I am absolutely certain. Furthermore, let me assure you that if you are afraid that you've committed the unpardonable sin, you haven't. I think you'll understand why I can say that by the time we finish. And we begin by looking at the occasion that led Jesus to teach about the sin that cannot be forgiven. Then there was brought to him a demon-possessed man who was blind and dumb, and he healed him so that the dumb man spoke and saw. And all the multitudes were amazed and began to say, This man cannot be the son of David, can he? When the Pharisees heard it, they said, This man casts out demons only by Beelzebul, the ruler of the demons. You may recall back in chapter 9, after healing the demon-possessed man who couldn't speak, the multitudes marveled, saying, Nothing like this was ever seen in Israel. The Pharisees responded by saying, He casts out the demons by the ruler of the demons. Jesus didn't respond to their accusation at the time. But here it comes again. This time, a demon-possessed man who could neither speak nor see was brought to Jesus. And when he healed him, casting out the demon that had held him in darkness and silence, the multitudes were amazed. They had marveled before. Now they were amazed. In fact, they were almost at the point of embracing Jesus as the Messiah, asking the rhetorical question, this man cannot be the son of David, can he? Well, the Pharisees weren't about to let that happen. So they once again declared that he cast out demons by the ruler of the demons, and Jesus did not ignore it this time. He directly challenged the Pharisees and made it clear that they were in danger of committing a sin that could never be forgiven. A sin we refer to as the unpardonable sin. In doing so, however, he also made it clear that the unpardonable sin isn't something that someone accidentally commits. It is deliberate. It is against the Spirit, and 
It is from the heart. Continuing in chapter 12 of Matthew's Gospel. And knowing their thoughts, the Pharisees' thoughts, he said to them, Any kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. And a city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then shall his kingdom stand? But if I, by Beelzebul, cast out demons, by whom do your sons cast them out? Consequently, they shall be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can anyone enter the strong man's house and carry off his property unless he first binds the strong man? And then he will plunder his house. He who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters. The Pharisees weren't simply mistaken concerning the source of Jesus' power. They were deliberately stating something they knew couldn't be true. Because they didn't want to have to accept the ramifications of the truth. They were intentionally and deliberately believing and propagating a lie. Now, these were smart men. They were well-educated. They understood that what they were suggesting was ridiculous. Jesus didn't have to convince them of the fact that a kingdom or a city or a house divided against itself won't stand. They knew it. And they knew it long before Jesus or Abraham Lincoln said it. You know, I had to laugh at a, a bench at uh, Lincoln Memorial Gardens that's engraved with the words, a house divided against itself shall not stand, A. Lincoln. Well, someone had crossed out the A. Lincoln and written with a marker, Jesus Christ, Matthew 12, 25. <laughs> well, Jesus did say it first. But even before he said it, the Pharisees knew it. They knew that Satan wouldn't be fighting against himself if he gave someone the power or that he would be fighting against himself if he gave someone the power to cast out demons. And they knew he wouldn't give anyone the power to release someone from the bondage that he had imposed. That was ludicrous. It was ridiculous. And they knew it. They knew that demons would only be cast out by someone opposed to Satan, by the Spirit of God. They also knew that to suggest Jesus was in league with Beelzebul was to admit that their own exorcists were also in league with him. And while their own exorcists may or may not have been legitimate, no one could deny what Jesus had done. He had clearly demonstrated the power of God over demonic forces. And in doing so had made it clear that the kingdom of God was at hand. They also recognized that in order to plunder a strong man's property, you first have to overpower him and bind him. And Jesus had bound Satan. His hands had already been tied. You know, he had tried to get Jesus off course in the, in the temptations at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, but he couldn't do it. Jesus had stayed the course 
that he had set before coming to earth. And nothing Satan could do would stop it. In fact, that would become very obvious three days after his crucifixion. But even now, the Pharisees could see that Jesus had power over Satan. And they knew that to free someone from Satan's grasp was to plunder Satan's possessions. So they knew. They knew the source of Jesus' power. They just didn't want to admit it. And since they wouldn't side with him, they had to fight against him. There's no middle ground in spiritual warfare. There is no neutral zone. Either you are with Jesus or against him. You are either helping to gather others into his kingdom or you're driving them away from his kingdom. And to intentionally, deliberately work against the kingdom is to risk committing the unpardonable sin. Because it puts you in opposition to the very Spirit of God. And the unpardonable sin is against the Spirit. Let's read on. Therefore I say to you, any sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven men, but blasphemy against the Spirit shall not be forgiven. And whoever shall speak a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whoever shall speak against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. So the unpardonable sin is blasphemy against the Spirit. Is that cleared up for you? Mm, probably not. Probably not. Obviously, we need to know what constitutes blasphemy against the Spirit. And the first definition of blasphemy to appear on a Google search is the act or offense of speaking sacrilegiously about God or sacred things. So does that mean that simply saying something negative about the Spirit is unpardonable? I don't think so. I believe more is involved here than letting a damning word slip out of your mouth. For as Jesus will note in verse 34, the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. There's more to blasphemy than a spoken word. Blasphemy is an attitude, one that regards as unholy that which is holy. But even then, even then, it's not eternally damning to be temporarily mistaken about the things that are holy. Jesus said you could speak a word against the Son of Man and be forgiven. You could be mistaken about his identity. You could, for a time, reject his claim to be the Son of God and actually oppose him and still find forgiveness for that sin. Indeed, many have found 
forgiveness. After a period of rejection, even blasphemy against the Son of Man, Jesus' favorite title for himself. But Jesus does say that blasphemy against the Spirit is not forgivable. Why is that? Because blasphemy against the Spirit is more than merely speaking against the Spirit. It is utter rejection of everything the Spirit is trying to do. You know, it's the Spirit's job to convict us of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. It's the Spirit that draws us to faith in Christ's redemptive work on the cross. It's the Spirit that enables us to be born again. So if we refuse to acknowledge what the Spirit is doing, if we reject the Spirit's ministry, we will never find forgiveness for our sins because we will never seek it. Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is the utter rejection of everything God is trying to do in your life. It is deliberate. It is against the Holy Spirit. And it is from the heart. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers. How can you, being evil, speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. The good man, out of his good treasure, brings forth what is good. And the evil man, out of his evil treasure, brings forth what is evil. And I say to you that every careless word that men shall speak, they shall render account for it in the day of judgment. For by your words you shall be justified, and by your words you shall be condemned. Jesus challenged the Pharisees to abandon their illogical accusation. It was ludicrous for them to suggest that a good work Freeing a man from demon possession and its effects could come from an evil source. They either had to admit that the tree was good, that it brought forth good fruit, or that the fruit that had come forth from the tree, they labeled bad, was bad. Their accusation didn't make sense. You don't get good fruit from a bad tree. But then again, They didn't care about making sense. They were simply striking out at him like a brood of vipers. They were so filled with hatred for him that they couldn't say anything good about him, even if they had to. They were evil. And what they were saying was coming not from their heads, but from their evil hearts. Their words were condemning them, not because they were offensive, but because they were a reflection of their heart. So in reality, it was the condition of their heart that condemned them, not what just came out of their mouth. 
Now, a word of warning here. It is the careless, unguarded word that reflects the true character of a man. If you're on guard, you can control what you say. People do it all the time when they're in church and around the preacher. But what do you do when you let your guard down? What do you say when no one's around who's going to judge you for what you're saying? What comes out of your mouth when you're angry and lose control? You better take note of those words. Because they are the most important words you speak. They reflect what's in your heart. And those are the words that will either justify you or condemn you on the day of judgment. Now, again, it's not actually the words themselves that condemn you. It's the heart that condemns you. The treasure chest from which they are brought forth. The Pharisees had so hardened their hearts against Jesus that they couldn't admit the truth about him, even when it was obvious. And their words revealed that hardness. If they allowed that hardness to continue, if they became so calloused to the things of God that the Holy Spirit couldn't break through and convict them of their sin and their need for a Savior, they would be lost forever they would have committed the unpardonable sin. The unpardonable, you see, isn't a sin you commit in a rash, uncontrolled moment of anger or frustration or doubt. It isn't saying something about the Holy Spirit that you can never be forgiven for. It's not even doubting whether or not God is behind something that is happening. It is the intentional, deliberate rejection of everything the Holy Spirit is trying to do in your life. And you only get to that point by completely hardening your heart to the things of God. So, no, you haven't committed the unpardonable sin if you're worried about having committed it. The fact that you are concerned about it is proof that you are still responsive to the work of the Spirit. However, I do need to caution you about something. It's continual acts of willful, deliberate sin that harden the heart and make it unresponsive to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Now, no one just wakes up one day and decides to commit the unpardonable sin. It's a sin that develops over time. 
It's a sin that comes from a heart that's been so hardened by willful sin that it finds, it leads a person to walk away from the gift of eternal life. And the only way to guarantee that you'll never commit it is to keep your heart soft. Keep it in tune with the things of God. Keep it responsive to the promptings of the Spirit. Keep it free from defiant, rebellious, willful sin. And keep it free from the presumptuous sin that says, I know what I'm going to do is wrong, but I know God will forgive me. If you do that enough, he may not. Because you may reach the point where your heart has become so hardened that you will no longer allow the Holy Spirit to convict you of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. And if that happens, you are lost forever. Obviously, that's not God's desire for you. In fact, he came to earth to keep that from happening and he invites you this morning to prevent it from happening by letting him come into your heart now while your heart is open and responsive to the Spirit. And once he's in there, make sure you keep it open and responsive to the Spirit. And the Savior is waiting to enter your heart. Why don't you let him?